Fight Friday, everybody. Welcome back to the Couchside Judges. I'm Scott Fontana. Find me on Twitter at Scott underscore Fontana. And I'm Dan Urban. You can find me at Dan Urban MMA. You can also follow the podcast at Couchside Judges. And you can subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or any other service you use to listen to us. And if you like what you're hearing and you're able to rate us, please give us that five-star review. And we're going to talk about judging in MMA, so you should familiarize yourself with the criteria, which can be found at abcboxing.com. So, Dan, we finally got some fights this weekend. We, we had a long break. Uh, for me, a much-needed break. Uh, I definitely had periods where I was like, oh, man be nice that there was a fight going on but also at the same time i was like you know what it's nice that there was no fights going on <laughs> yeah it was a good break uh a little long maybe i, I could have used some fights last weekend i think yeah i, I remember you were kind of itching for it. me i i was okay I, I definitely was fine without it for one more week because i know we're gonna be diving in with three events in eight days yeah and at least the first event starts at 3 p.m eastern for the main card and noon for the prelims yeah, I I would expect that the uh, the headliner that's Max Holloway against Calvin Cater. I think that one's probably going to start. I'm going to ballpark at like 5 p.m. Eastern. Yeah, I probably think that's what what they're shooting for. Is that right? Abu Dhabi's like what eight hours ahead? I think it was nine. Nine hours, so they'll be start almost it's two o'clock in the morning. Yeah, I think I think technically it starts over there their time at midnight. Okay, that's better than that weird you know main event at 8 a.m. for them. Yeah. <laughs> Fighting them for the championship. I'm sure everything about morning. it is bizarre because you still wake up if you if they're staying on their normal time, then you wake up and it's like a weird time of day. Yeah, they're probably trying to juggle it a little bit. But you know, I mean, Max because he's in Hawaii. I believe the difference might j- just from Eastern time to there is five to six hours. So add that on top, and really, it's starting at kind of like uh, I guess like morning time for for Max. Yeah, kind of a strange time on his body clock. It's, it's so it, it's got to be so weird having a fight. And just imagine you lose, and now it's like nine o'clock in the morning, and you just got to have breakfast now. I, mean, I know, I know. You're so always fascinated weird. by this. It's, it, it does fascinate me. It's crazy. <laughs> but you know, there are fights going on tonight, Dan. Really, Friday night in Kansas, Park City, Kansas has LFA first LFA show of the year, first Kansas show of the year, which means first open scoring event of the year i love that open scoring it's funny because i mean as far back as like i want to say like eight months ago you were very much on the fence i didn't realize you know we learned so much about it we did from doing the show we got to talk to adam roar back he was on the show back in uh, episode 25 that was and they open up uh different thought i I don't know what what, how to to say it but it's opened my eyes and yeah i guess that is how you say it that is exactly how you say it good job (laughs) Got Give that me a right. later. I was always concerned about the guys cruising in the third round or, or the fifth round when they, when they got it locked up and just, you know, avoiding the fight to, you know, lock up a win. And that really hasn't been the case. Don't be a prisoner of fear, Dan. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, we've we've had open scoring in Kansas uh, run events since last March uh, when, like you said, Adam Rohrbach uh was kind of the leading the charge with the commission. He's the head of the commission in Kansas. Uh, and I do recommend you go back and listen to that, um, that episode that he was on with us, episode 25, because he really does a very good job of explaining exactly how it works. 
um, you know, what what kind of issues that they kind of saw and, and kind of solved very simply. It's, it's, I mean, I don't want to say that we're primitive because it's not a primitive solution. They're still you're, they're using technology, but it's just it's so, I guess, elegantly simple. I don't know. It's, it's, it's just easy. Yeah, it's just a Google Doc, pretty much. It's basically it's just a Google Doc. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we actually got to use it the one time. Well, yeah, I mean, so we did the the um, they call it, uh, I believe, remote judging. Is that what it or is? Vir- virtual shadowing, I thought. Virtual shadowing. That's what. Thank you. Thank you. That's the that's the nomenclature. And yeah, so we got to virtually shadow, which essentially just meant you and I sat at home. We watched the fights like anybody else would um, while we were watching. We entered our scores into a Google Doc shared with us by Adam Rohrbach and you know, we made sure we did it right away. I liked to put in very quick explanations of my my reasoning, just so that I could reference it later. Yeah, I had a I had a notebook on my on my uh, side. I, just, I thought it was easy. Just to, I mean, I was already at a uh, a keyboard, so I'm like, I could do this pretty quickly. I could do this in thirty <laughs> seconds, and then you yeah, know, that there's still plenty of time before the actual round comes around. So okay, that was what I did for that one. And uh, yeah, I mean, I thought independent of of our experience i just i think it's working very well i think so too i the fighters should know where they stand in a fight yeah and that's the thing that's that's one thing that you kind of have to drive home about this i think there's a lot of people that when they think about open scoring the first thing they think of is well it's going to solve judging it's definitely not going to solve judging problems if you think the judging sucks now it's going to suck with open scoring and in fact you're only going to find out about it that much quicker but Let's say for argument's sake, let's let's be devil's advocate here. The judging in a fight sucks. It's not as you predicted it. It's not going the way you thought it would be. There are scores that are kind of all over the map and it's strange. The fighters then know that and they can adjust. Yeah, ultimately it's them who has to create their own outcome pretty much. They it, it's for the fighters. Yeah. yeah. I mean, these guys, they're the ones we're coming to see. We're not coming to see the judges. We're not coming to see the referees. We're not coming to see the promoters we're watching the fighters and we want to watch the fighters and the fighters ought to have as much information as they can. They don't have a scoreboard. Give them this. All right. If I was a fighter, I would want to know exactly where I stand. It, it, if I'm down four rounds in, in the biggest fight of my career and I, in their close rounds, and I think I might be up on the cards. And then I find out I lose when Bruce Buffer's announcing the thing. I, I think that would suck. I'd rather know I mean, going into the final round that I got to do something bad here to, to take this fight. Or to use a real-world example uh, with Dominic Cruz against John Jones just almost exactly a year ago. Dominic Reyes? Yes, Dominic Reyes. Thank you. Wrong Dominic. <laughs> that would be a fun fight. Cruz versus John Jones. That would be. 70 pounds difference. <laughs> <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of arrogance in the cage at one time. But no, thank you for correcting me, though. Dominic Reyes against John Jones. Reyes, I mean, he seemed to believe that he was winning that fight. But if you look at the cards, it was up for grabs going into the fifth and final round. Yeah, totally. Uh, I think I still had Jones winning when we rewatched it. I, I don't recall. Right, but it, I mean, how you and I had right. it, that's irrelevant yeah. to the actual fight as it is. Like, if if Reyes knew that the fight was tied and he needed to sew up that final round, you don't think that the guy is going to try his best to dig deep and be like, man, I got to take this round. I think you can say that about both about both guys. I think they, exactly. They both exactly. Were... But I mean, how does that change the fight? It it might have made it even more exciting. I, I think it would have made it a, a much more exciting round there. I think so, too. And I think you'd have I think you had open scoring, too. There would be 
there would be a shift in what the commentators talk about as far as what's happening in a round. They they wouldn't be talking about, well, I think that the person won this round. They would probably be more reacting to the way the judges scored it. But I would rather have that. What do you mean? Let's say that right now we have, in the last few seconds of a close round, Michael Bisping's like, oh yeah, takedown. You need to take down to seal it here or something like that. Or Dominic, you know. Dominic Cruz. This time, I mean, do mean Dominic Cruz. Uh, <laughs> it, let's say one of them says, oh, they, they get a takedown here. They could, that could steal the round for them. They won't be talking so much about that anymore because it'll be more reacting to the scores that we got. Right. And then they'll say, well, why did he win that round? The conversation will change. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. Then there'll be less speculation, I guess. As far there'll as... be less speculation. I think you'd still get people complaining about scores, mm-hmm. but ultimately it would probably lead to, or I mean, I would like to hope anyway, it would lead to more commentators trying to figure out, well, what, why is that round that way? I just watched it. What, and then they would search for the reasons and that would be able to be communicated to people at home. Yeah. Okay. I get what you're saying. If it comes in real time, as that's what they actually do call it. They call it real time scoring. They do call it real time scoring in Kansas. That's the, that's the term they came up with. When it comes in real time, there's less time for them to form their own own scores because they're going to see what the exact score is. Yeah. So now, now they get the fight as a whole, and you get all the scores at once, and you're like, "Oh, that was a terribly scored. You can't score that round like that because it's already made up in their mind of how the round should have been scored." And you know what you'd hear much less of throughout a fight? Oh, you just don't know how the judges are seeing this oh, fight. You definitely would stop hearing that. You would no 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 you'd hear it because you'd hear it before we got okay. to the end of that round. <laughs> and in. then they would know the answer within 20 seconds and that would be it. So it would change it. it. It wouldn't necessarily eliminate things, but I think it would create different conversation. But hopefully it would lead to a more positive and educational uh atmosphere or conversation I guess for for the people at home. Yeah, I think people like you mentioned people would actually learn more about the criteria. I would I would like to think so. I mean, you know, people can be really stubborn, but I think this is definitely a way to get there. But like, I just I really just want to see how it works because well, not how it works. I've, I've we've seen how it works. I just want to see it in practice at like a major show. I want Dana White to have to see it because it's already happening on fights that air on Fight Pass. It's not like it's completely unassociated with anything the UFC does. Yeah, he's making assumptions on things he's never never witnessed yet and he has full capability to watch it it's his platform that they're on are you telling me that dana white prejudges things <laughs> maybe I'm a little bit you would say that <laughs> they got to get rid of the narrative that it's to fix bad judging and not realize that it's it's strictly for the fighters to know Absolutely. where they stand. And, and of course on uh on the kansas uh twitter account uh which is at kansas boxing uh they do make that clear you know they've been making that clear over the last few weeks in posts and things like that that it is about the fighters and and adam has said that to us on our show as well yeah i mean can you imagine basketball players playing a game and there's a no 20 seconds left in the game they have no idea what the score is they don't know if they're winning they don't know if they're losing that that's pretty much what fighters are kind of doing i mean to be fair they're not going to know what's happening in that round either but at least they'll know where they stood coming in they'll know if it's a round they needed or if it's a round they didn't, you know? Do they need to change up their strategy? Is what they're doing working or not? And that that, that could be without open scoring, but I think it, it helps them know where, like you said, where they stand. And they deserve to know where they stand before the end of the fight. You know, one of the things that, to just 
just slightly changing gears here about open scoring. One of the things that seems to be a critique of it is, you know, oh, you'll have these boring, you know, third rounds that everybody kind of knows the conclusion is coming or whatever, right? That's That was always my fear. That was your fear. We haven't seen that manifest in the limited uh, time that we've seen open scoring in the limited sample size. We've seen open scoring at shows in Kansas between LFA and Invicta. Uh, a lot of Invicta shows have been using it. They, they were the first one actually back in March. Um, and it just doesn't really seem to be happening that way. I haven't watched every show, but I mean, some of the ones I've been watching, it, it hasn't been a problem at all. I think actually the first main event that they had was like a fight of the year caliber fight. Mm-hmm. It was a bloody war all the way to the end. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think I, I don't know the statistics for sure, but I'm pretty sure like a good majority of the people winning the fight of the fighters that are already winning the fight win that final round anyway. Yeah. So I'm, I'm glad you bring that up, too, because, uh, again, the the Kansas boxing Twitter account, Twitter account, we'll say that right, said <laughs> uh, that they're according to their data, which, you know, they have all the data on this fighters who are up. Two points heading into the final round have won the final round 73.7% of the time. That's 14 out of 19. Just may simplify it a little yeah. bit here. But, you know, about three and four times they're winning that final round. Uh, before open scoring, it was more like just about 61, 62%, 16 out of 26, right? So there's an uptick actually in times that they're winning the final round. But this is a small sample size, right? It's Ultimately, a ver- very small sample, yeah. It, it is. And that's that's through no fault of the commission. 2020 has been a year uh, or a decade. 2021 <laughs> already has been, I feel like, 10,000 years. Yeah, it's only two weeks in. God, it's not even. That's the worst <laughs> part. Well, now it is. If you're listening to us on Friday, it's more than that. So congratulations to you. We made it. Uh, <laughs> we made it this far. Long way to go. But, but actually, again, going back to the fact that we had that episode a couple weeks ago or last week about the data of the last 19 months, right? Mm -hmm. So I crunched all that data, and I can tell you that the numbers, especially for the times where they've won that 14 out of 19 figure, where they won the final round when they were up two points, right? it's deadly. It's like insanely similar to the way that worked out over the course of 309 UFC bouts that I had measured. So 309 bats where fighters up two rounds going into the final round, 73% approximately still won that round. Well, actually, I should I should be clear. So there were 309 instances where in UFC bouts over this 19-month period where in the final round, there was a fighter who was winning, right? So it's a little mm, different than kind okay. of that two-point margin yeah. or whatever. It was just as long as they were winning entering the final round, whether okay. that would be round three or round five, right? Mm-hmm. Most of those fights went to a decision, 87% went to a decision. The other 40 were actually finished early. But of those that went to a decision, 269, we had 197 where the person who was up in entering that final round still won the final round. 73.2% from the figures from Kansas, it was 73.7%. Okay, so really no difference. The thing is, people people argue, well, there's no difference. It didn't change anything. Why should we change open scoring? But then you say, well, at least the fighters know. That's the point. It's it's what the point here is. It's not to make it any different from a judging perspective. It's to make it better for the fighters. And if we can accomplish that without changing anything dramatic in the way we watch the sport and perceive the sport, that's a good thing, 
right? Yeah, I, I wonder if some fans are going to be like, well, no, I like I like the suspense of not knowing. Like, what if I know a guy's just cruising to a, an easy, you know, 30-27 win, and I see he's up 20-18 to 18 going into the third round, and they're like, eh, no, he's going to win. Yeah, most of the time they're going to win anyway. I mean, that's just right. the way it is. Like, I, it, it, so if, if we actually look at the fights that finished in that final round, so, you know, it was a three-round fight, there was a finish in the third round, or in a five-round fight, finish in the fifth round when the fighter was when the one fighter was winning, right? Mm-hmm. As opposed to it being tied. There were 40 fights like that over the course of 19 months, right? Of those 40, 34 were won by the leading fighter as far as the finish goes. Okay. So that means there were only six times where there was a final round comeback. All right. Six times a final round comeback out of 309 times where a fighter was actually winning going into the final round wow it doesn't happen very often it really doesn't like there's almost there should almost never be any suspense to it if you know who's winning that that is that is the one thing though that you have to point out right now we don't know who's winning but realistically most of the time we have a good idea of who's winning we have yeah for the most part we have a decent idea who's winning so there's not going to be a lot of drama anyway if you really just know that Mm -hmm. sometimes statistics kind of can ruin the fun for you but I think here it really really bears out just the fact that it's not going to change a whole lot as far as some sort of negative clap back from this thing. And and honestly, if you ask me, I think it's going to lead to much more exciting fights because I bet you more often we'll see comebacks because we'll get fighters who they absolutely know what the stakes are. They know 100% they need this round to win. Yeah, a good example of that is Jim Miller versus Gray Maynard the very first time they fought. They yeah, fight, I don't remember the, that fight. Can you, can you elaborate it? Did they fight more than once? I think they only fought... Uh, no, they only fought once. They only fought one time. Yeah, so that one time, Gray Maynard was up two rounds, and in the third round, Jim was trying to kill him. Like, he knew he was down. He was swinging mm-hmm. for the fences, anything he threw. Sure. Didn't pan out, but, uh, you know, he was trying to kill him. And we've seen fighters that will come out and do that. You know, I the one of the ones that I think of from, you know, many years ago... Was when Yushin Okami was really up on Tim Boach back in oh, Japan. Yeah. It was that was the first UFC Japan show in a long time. You remember that one? That was a wild finish. I think we watched that together at an Applebee's. Okay, it's always yeah, Applebee's we probably did. Yeah, well, that's what that's who showed the fights. Oh yeah, Applebee's and they had app praise. Happy happy hour apps. Yeah, <laughs> love that. But yeah, and then all of a sudden Boach comes out with these bombs and just smashes Okami. And Okami was coming off of the title fight against Anderson Silva, so this was like. It was a big win for Bosch. It was kind of shocking. He had those, it was like those those hockey uppercuts, right? Kind of, kind of, yeah. Had some kind of clinch and just smashing them with uppercuts. I think I know what you mean, yeah. And, you know, we did have, like I said, there were there were some comebacks. Uh, and actually, we had a couple just in the last few months of the year. There was Chase Hooper came back and won. That mm-hmm. third round, uh, what was it, heel hook, right? Heel hook in the third round, uh, totally mm-hmm. disrespected by his opponent. There was one. There was when uh, <laughs> that weird fight with... Ed Herman, who came back in the third round against uh, Mike Rodriguez yeah, in the fight Ed, that really should have ended in round two. Yeah, both fighters ended that fight one and one. And actually, if you if you want to talk about, there was a weird example in here of, of one that it technically fits, but it doesn't really, is the fight where Michelle Pereira was beaten up Diego Sanchez and Diego just looked terrible. And somehow he's able to take an illegal knee and just be like, yep, I'm out. I'm gonna take the win here. <laughs> yeah. That was that was almost a year ago. That was back in February. Yeah. 
Diego. And that that does technically qualify too, but like that that kind of under, underlines the fact too that it really is exceptionally rare that there is an actual comeback victory in in a fight where someone is definitely losing. So it really doesn't change much. Yeah, just... but it could I feel like create a few more probably just a small uptick in the times where you'd get a fighter really coming back and just storming whether they whether they get a 10-8 maybe or they actually get the finish, you know? Mhm. Do you think there's any downside to a judge turning in his score and seeing how his other judges scored that round if they scored it different, if they're the lone judge? I do for probably lesser quality judges. I think judges feel confident in what they saw when they make their scores. That could bear out as a, as a minor issue on the lower levels. But I mean, on the lower levels, some of the judging isn't necessarily as sharp as it is at the top levels anyway they, these are guys who you know guys and girls who are men and women i should say who are starting out typically and they're i mean they're, there's it takes all kinds but you could have people with a, a less sharp eye a less experienced eye that are just they're not going to make as good decisions anyway and if that's the case you know I, I i believe when adam was on the show adam rohrbach was on the show he said something to the effect of like well if you're not judging very well you know maybe you could be timekeeper or something you know right and you know also on a regional level typically you're going to see more finishes or more lopsided bouts i feel like that's the case too so, I, I would think you're right but not always not certainly no, no, not no, always no, and, and there are some always, regional no. shows that do a very good job of matchmaking mm-hmm. and create matchups that don't lead to that all that often yeah you're definitely going to get your big or as often your big matchups or you know the, the top guy in pennsylvania is taking on the top guy in new jersey and it's it's a good battle yeah but no i i just i really do think and and you know we're talking about just times where a fighter is up because that's the only data that um the kansas commission was sharing but i mean you think about times where like we mentioned with with reyes and jones there are a lot of fights that are tied going into that final round yeah and if they know it and i don't have any data about times where fighters thought they were winning and they weren't as opposed to you know times where they think it's tied and they're like they you gotta go for it kind of thing mm-hmm. and how many times that matched up because that that's going to take a lot of anecdotal stuff or or like you know trying to catch it on you know the broadcast or something like that and making note of it that's very hard to track down i would uh that's a project i'm not over- undertaking <laughs> <laughs> I, I have other things i gotta do with my life I, my kids need to see me but i definitely think it's just better like if you know the fight just imagine there's a title fight a five-round fight and you know it's tied you know 100 that it's tied and that the winner of this round wins it all and the fighters know it and everyone knows it do you know how many classic round fives we would get i think we get quite a bit i think we fantastic like there's people who are just too focused on the negative reactions of this and look I don't want to sit here and say there's only positives that can come out of this. There's going to be some fights that, yeah, probably it won't make it as dramatic or something like that. But I think on the whole, we're going to have more dramatic fights. I really do. I think it's going to be a balancing act where we'll lose a few, but we'll gain more. That's how I see it. Yeah, it could totally be that way. Do you think, I mean, Figueredo and and Marino probably would have been one of those fights that would have been wild heading into the final round. Oh, yeah. I mean, imagine if Figueredo and, and Marino both knew that, okay, Figueredo's only up by a point on a couple cards, and the other one, it's the other way. What, you think he's not going to go for it hard? <laughs> I think Marino definitely fights the fifth round much different. because he. I think he does, too. I think it creates a different fight because 
when we when we talked about that fight, it felt at the time when we all watched it like an instant classic. But then, you know, you kind of think about it and you watch it again and you say to yourself, OK, it was a really awesome fight for four rounds. And then the fifth round, you know, kind of dragged a little bit. It wasn't yeah. it wasn't the same. They didn't have the same either energy left or or what. It just wasn't the same. But I would have loved to have seen what would happen if everybody knew you need that round if you want to win. I mean, on one on, on Sal D'Amato's card, Marino was up because of a point taken. You know what the funny thing is, though, about that fight? I'm glad you brought that one up. That's a weird case where Figueredo was technically winning the fight. He was up by a point on two cards, but he was down on the other card. And then he won the fight. He, excuse me. He won that round on two out of three cards, but it was the wrong two. So that's why it ended up being a draw. Yeah, weird fight. Or weird story. It was, it's weird, kind weird of funny because like, there, there are weird examples where that can happen. Yeah. And that's one of them. <laughs> that would have been interesting. It, it would have been. I, I really would have loved to see it. But yeah, I, I definitely hope that. I mean, Kansas is going to keep going with this. They, they seem very confident in what they have. Um, they are, they're obviously still running it and touting it on social media and everything. So I am looking forward to seeing more of it this year, starting, of course, with, uh, with tonight's LFA. Yeah, uh, I'll be watching it. Uh, I won't be able to watch it close enough to judge, but I'll, I'll be I'll be checking it out. I'll be keeping an eye on it as well. I, I I'm always interested to see how it goes. I hope other commissions start really taking notice. I get the sense that it's still nothing that is really enticing commissions to be like, wow, we should give this a try. But I mean, I really hope a few of the at least even some of the smaller ones. It doesn't have to be you know Nevada right away. I understand it's not going to be Nevada right away or or California. Or, or any of these places, but like, why couldn't say New Mexico? I don't know, Massachusetts. Yeah, places you don't see, you know, a lot of a lot of events. Usually, but they have. I mean, they have a, a thriving regional community mm-hmm. there as well. I mean, why not put it on there? Yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I think we. It's obviously you know we're going through tough times. A lot of promotions have had trouble in the last year plus, or you know, just about a year or so because of the pandemic. But I think anybody who was out there, they're still putting on fights. Why not? Why not let these states, uh, why not have these states do it and give it a try on these other shows? Get more data out there. Let's find out. We need more, some more forward thinking commissions. That we do. Because right, we're united on that one. This old, old school thinking, like in the sports, what, 20, 30, 30 years old, maybe? If, if that. The sport is younger than us, Dan. We're so, not that old. 27 years we're, we're old. We're not young anymore. We're not that old. There should be no old school way of doing things. This isn't boxing. I know boxing is over 100 years older. We it almost like inherited like, a, an old school mindset. Well, in part because it's boxing slash MMA, you know, athletic commissions. It's all under one umbrella. Right, but they, they should realize it's not the same thing. I know. Well, they should, but, you know. <laughs> but even at that, I think it's it's one of those things that sometimes people just don't want to rock the boat. You also don't want to necessarily splinter how things are state to state. But I think something like this, it's not the same as like the down opponent rule, you know. Because it, that's something the fighters need to keep in mind when they're in the cage. This is it's kind of a passive change, open scoring. Right. And you know what? The the one of the one of the biggest things about it is it's promotions option. That's true. That that is one thing that uh, Adam told us when he was on the show is is that if the promotion says we don't want to do it, they say, Okay, it's your show. They could do it fight to fight. If you they can if do that two too. fighters yes, that's true. If two fighters agree and say, Hey, we want open scoring for this for our fight. Okay, the fighters chose that they want it, and they get it. I don't know of any instances where that they've declined yet. I, I'd actually, sh- we, we should probably see if we can get an answer on that. I, I'm, maybe we'll reach out on Twitter or something like that and see. I would love to find out if 
there has been any hesitation from either fighters or promotions that they've run yet. It seems like everybody's embraced it, but maybe that's not the case. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I can't recall anything like that. But but I hope when, you know, God willing, the world gets back to some semblance of normal. We're heading know, that direction. We get the vaccine and, and everybody gets healthy. You're, you're going for the vaccine, uh, your I, first dose tomorrow, right? I'm getting stuck tomorrow afternoon. Excellent. Excellent. I'm very happy for that. My mother-in-law just got her for first one as well. She's awesome. a teacher. Awesome. Very happy for her. Yep. I don't think she was thrilled to do it, but like she knew she had to do it and wanted to do it to, for that part of the reason too. But you know what I mean? Yeah. I hear the needle's pretty long. I, yeah, I'm not a fan <laughs> of needles. I'm not looking forward to having it done, but like, I'm also looking forward to having it done. You know what I mean? I'm looking forward to normalcy. Yeah. But once we do get there and maybe they're able to go back to Kansas at some point, the UFC, they, the last time they were there was March, 2019. I don't know if they're in a rush to get back to Kansas. It's, it's not the biggest state, but you know, if they do, or if Bellator gets out there, or if, you know, let's, let, for example, PFL gets out there, or, you know, obviously Invicta's there all the time. Uh, if these shows get there, you start to see it on a, on a bigger stage, more eyeballs on it. Because, you know, let's be honest, not everybody in the MMA scene is paying attention to LFA and Invicta. They're regional shows. They're wonderful regional shows. I, I, I think LFA is probably the best of the feeder programs yeah in, most in, likely yeah and they're they're on every at week. least in the country they're on every week yeah so i i mean i'm i'm a big supporter of lfa and, and what they do they've they've obviously created sorry not created necessarily but they've given a a home to a bunch of rising prospects who turn into great great fighters mm-hmm. so i i think it would be interesting though when people start to see what's going on at a bellator event for example you know even that has a bigger stage yeah you know what i'm I wonder if Mohegan Sun would, or Connecticut, I guess I should say, or is it a tribal athletic commission there? I believe, uh, yeah, I believe that Mohegan Sun has the their tribal commission. Okay, there. yeah, that's my understanding. I wonder if they'd ever experiment with it. Be nice. Who knows? It'd be interesting to find out. But yeah, I'm I'm all for open score, and I think we've uh, we've kind of exhausted that a bit. I I've I've definitely enjoyed talking about it. I think it was good to get a little brief on that entering the year. Remind people that this is something that's out there that. I mean, this sport that it it really hasn't changed a whole lot over the years, but it certainly could. And I, I think all the people that are holding on to, you know, the old school way of thinking that, oh, you know, boxing tried it at some point and it didn't work. It's like, OK, but I mean, can you even tell us about I actually, how they did it? I actually recall a boxing open scoring bout. Uh-huh. They just announced I, I'm almost 100 percent certain on this, but I could be wrong. OK, I believe all they did is every four rounds they announced what the score was. Yeah, I don't so like that. I like the way Kansas round. is doing right, it. You, yeah. just, you just put it on a little screen. It's just for the corners to know. You don't necessarily have to announce it in the arena. Can the people in the arena find out? Sure, there's ways they could find out. You know, if they were looking on their screen and on their phone or something like that, they could find out. And by word of mouth, they could figure it out. But, like, is that really going to get down to the judges' cage side? Like, there are some hostile situations for judges in, like, regional shows where the, the fans are, like, right on top of them. And I think... They meant they I think it would probably be okay. I think they'll be okay. They made it out already. You know, they made it out of other situations with, you know, scores that were challenged by the folks in the arena. Well, what's it gonna change if they know mid fight? Yeah, that they who mentioned that to us? That that's kind of a rough situation where you're walking in the parking lot with all the fans of one fighter you scored the other way, and you know, he sold a hundred tickets for all these people to come watch him. That was an Yeah, I mean that, that's was, certainly this is these are tough situations. That was that was that Ben Cartledge, maybe? I forget who it was a region. Yeah, I forget who told us that. 
I'm not sure. But uh but yeah, that was um that's that's really the only thing that I I just I just want to see more of it. I really do. I think we need more of it. Yeah, let's let's get on board with that. But uh at least figure out if it's right or not. Like do more, figure it out. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Yeah, and then we'll, we'll, well, I'll stop on it. I'll stop harping. If it doesn't I'll never work. stop. I'll never <laughs> stop. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I I think I think that's enough open scoring chatter for now. We've got some fights this weekend. We finally have fights. They're back in Fight Island. You know, the main event is of course, like we said, Holloway and Cater. Uh, I got to speak to both of them last Ooh. week for some uh, some articles that I wrote for the post. Okay, that you can you can look that up at nypost.com. When will that be out? Oh, they're already available. They're already I got one available. More in the pipeline for Saturday as well. Oh. Yeah, nypost.com/sports. All right, you'll find me there. You'll find the stuff there. I share them on Twitter. Mm. You'll find it there too. So yeah, we won't spoil what's written there with spoil. the. It's just, it's just, you know, no spoilers. It, it's entertaining and, and gets you up to speed with what's going on with these guys. I tried to take interesting angles with it, but you know, I don't want to, I don't want to build this up too much as about me. It's about the fight here. I like the matchmaking of this one. I like this fight. I think it's going to be a very fun fight. I do too. I, I, what I like about it is Max was in a really weird spot, right? Because he's coming off of this fight that whether you believed he won or not, it was really close in that second fight against uh, Alexander Volkanovsky for the title last summer, yep. right? Super close. Fight. It was razor close. It's it's hard to say Max was a loser in that fight. Was he just not. didn't get the win. It was very, very close. It doesn't get much closer than that fight. Yeah. So in that, in that respect, it's like, well, what do you do with him? You can't give him the third fight right away. Like the Dana was Dana White was starting to talk about doing that and i was like ah gee do we need to do a third fight in a row like I, i'm not saying he doesn't deserve another title shot sometime he shouldn't be locked out but i don't want to see it again this soon and so i think it was a really smart move to give him cater who's rising he's an interesting fighter he's a, a fun fighter watch they have a good style matchup there you know they, they like to work their boxing you know kickboxing as well but it's, it's a lot of the boxing there with these yeah, guys right right i think cater struggles when he's pressured Jeremy Stevens was very much winning that first round in that fight before he got knocked out in the second. Yeah, he got bombed. When when he's dealing with a very aggressive fighter, I think he struggles. I think Max Max does that to people. He 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 has a really pressure style. So the one thing I'll say though about Cater is now that we've seen him in these in some more longer fights, you know, he had that five round fight against uh, Dan Ige in his last fight. Mm -hmm. I thought he gained steam in that one. Okay. You know, that was, that was a good battle too. Not that Max Holloway loses steam necessarily over a fight, but lately, if you look at the, uh, let's just go with the most recent fight, which is not a pattern or a trend. It's just the last thing we saw. Max looked much better in the first two rounds, but gave up some of the momentum he'd earned over three and four and and five was you know that was obviously a split round uh, between the judges, but. I would like to see if if maybe this is a situation where Cater can if he even if he finds a little bit of success early, maybe he takes over later or maybe Max just comes out with, uh, as a house of fire and, and really finds kind of what's been missing from him lately is he hasn't really been able to get that finish. Yeah, typically Max, he gets better as it goes on. And, and like you mentioned, he's been getting at least against this past fight against Volkanovski. He kind of got worse as the fight went on. I think he probably does have a little bit of trouble with kickers like Volkanovski. Um, it, it, it's not that he can't deal with it, but it's it's a more problematic style, and that's not necessarily what Cater's going to be working hardcore. Yeah, 
I, I'm with. I think I think Cater's got to be in his face the whole time to win this. I, I th- but I, I think Max is going to take it pretty easily. Oh, easily, huh? I, okay. I so think, do you think decision though, think, or, uh, or I don't finish? late finish or fifty forty five? I think something like that. Okay, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't necessarily go as far as to predict a score, but I do think Holloway is going to get the win by decision. I think it's going to be a good fight. I think we're going to have a lot of fun, and I think it's really good that this is the first fight that's going to headline a card on ABC. They picked a good this this whole card's really good. I mean, to to put on ABC in the afternoon, this is like you know. Sunday afternoon basketball kind of a three o'clock slot. The, the playoffs start. I believe the playoff game uh, with the Packers and Rams starts at I want to say like four thirty or so. So only the the last two fights are even going to be competing with the playoffs. Oh, I didn't even think of that. I mean, oh yeah, you forgot I, about that. I'm focused on I'm football. Fo- trounces everything. <laughs> Not necessarily for football. us, but that's what wins the ratings, man. It does. Uh, who are the Packers playing? The Rams. Know, oh, oh yeah, right. You said that. Never mind. Just told you. We're talking about fights here. <laughs> <laughs> I got Holloway by decision or late finish. You got Holloway by decision. I do. I do. Uh, who should we expect to be judging this card? My understanding is it's going to be a lot of these again th- these high level traveling judges from the U.S., but also some of the top judges internationally. Um, well, I don't have a full list of anything like that of the judges we have, but. You know, a lot of the names that we were talking about last week in the data show, I'm expecting we'll hear a good chunk of them. You know, probably we'll see Sal D'Amato there, uh, you know, Mike Bell, maybe Eric Cologne, you know, these type of people. I, I I think Ben Cartledge and probably Mark Collette. I'm just kind of taking educated guesses here, but I think it's going to be a really excellent collection of judges from my understanding. Awesome. Can't, can't ask and for more. so again, that's going to lead to, you know, the best possible situations in terms of who's going to be judging these fights. Yeah, that, that's always a good thing. Heck yeah. Any other fights you're looking forward to? For me, it is the co-main event with Carlos Condit and Matt Brown. This is not a fight that really I, we thought would be happening now as opposed to what, like six yeah. years ago when it would have been much more interesting. It's a bit, it's like six years late, but I think it's still a good fight because they're both kind of oh, in the same spot. They are still, they're in the same spot in their careers because they're both past their prime, but they're both action fighters. And I think this is who you match them up against. Don't, don't put them against younger guys or, or things like that. Just, just let them fight each other. You know, for all I know, Matt Brown could end up retiring after this. He's, spoken before about retirement i think he kind of almost did retire at some point he took like two years off yeah yeah he he's kind of been in and out of the sport uh the last few years but it it almost sounds like this could potentially even be his last one he's not really been very definitive about that i haven't spoken to him but this is just what i've been seeing in the media too um and carlos condit i I believe this might even be his last fight on his contract so for all we know he's either going to retire or he'll move on to another promotion like pfl or uh, bellator yeah, I, I think this is a great, fun matchup. I'm leaning towards by uh, Matt Brown. I was going to take Condit by submission. Wow, okay, well, I didn't even think of that. Well, that's a very popular option options in a fight, sir. I know. I, you know what? Sometimes I, I forget Carlos Condit has a decent ground game. <sighs> decent ground but, game. Uh, <laughs> Excellent ground game. A very attacking ground game. I was, I was more just, I was kind of tunnel vision of these two guys just standing in front of each other and trying to kill them. No, uh, I, I think I could see a situation where probably maybe Matt Brown gets stung and then Carlos follows up with like, you know, trying to take the back or something like that, get a choke in. That's this. That's kind of the finish I I would right. envision. 
yeah, that, in my yeah, head, that. that's that's what I see happening. But I'll take whatever we get as long as it's a fun one. I, I hope it lives up to, you know, probably dated hype, but hype nonetheless. I think it'll be fun. Yeah, it, it, it's definitely going to be fun. Anything for you? Yeah, the fight I want to see is uh, Punahele Suriano versus Dusko Todorovic, 185 pounds. All right. Both of these guys, both uh, contender series vets, they won their debut fights after, after they got the contract. Both by knockout. Uh, it's going to be super fun. Uh, Dorovich has a super high work rate. Just doesn't stop. Keep coming forward. Soriano has a super powerful left hand. Uh, I'm going to lead to When you say super to... powerful, do you mean it has super power? Yes. It's, he hits you and, and it hurts. Nice. Sometimes it knocks you out. I got to get some of those. <laughs> but uh, to Dorovich, they're both, neither guy has lost yet. So someone's zero has got to go. That's true. The O's got to go. So I'm... Uh, I'm leaning to Dorovich. I think he's got uh, a bit more. He'll probably overwhelm Soriano. I think uh, a finish is probably going to happen. I don't have a pick necessarily for this one. I, I hadn't given this one as much thought as uh, as I would have liked to. But, you know, I'll go with you. I'll, I'm going to ride the train with you. Bring it on. Let's do it. Get on. All aboard. <laughs> also, uh, Santiago Ponzinibbio is back. Oh, heck yeah. So it's been a while without him, and he's fighting a very game guy in uh, Jingliang Li, or Li Jingliang. Li, Li Jingliang, yeah. Yeah, so that should be also a very fun fight. The Leech. It's going to be a good card for them to, for the first ABC uh, event. I think it is. This will be a fun one. If if uh, if you're new to the sport or you want to get a friend into the sport and they don't have ESPN+, Plus or they don't even have cable anymore, maybe, but they do have an antenna or something... Tell them to turn on you know, ABC in in our in our area. It's Channel Seven. Yeah, I don't think it's Channel Seven everywhere though. It's not, my, oh. but in our area, it's Channel Seven. Yeah. So if you live in our area, turn on Channel Seven. <laughs> but uh, I did watch John Wick. You did? Oh, okay. Yeah, let's do our movie judgment here. What did you think of John Wick? I almost turned it off the first ten minutes of of the movie. I know why. But but and and I knew why before you even told me the other day. But why don't you tell people at home why you did that? Uh, I mean, this I don't even know how to describe him. He's a he's just a jerk. He kills John Wick's dog for yeah. no reason. He kills his dog, and I was like, well, I hate this guy. And then I learned who this guy was. This guy's Theon Greyjoy. It's Theon Greyjoy, yeah. aka Reek, which makes me realize the casting for Game of Thrones was just ridiculous. I mean, this guy should have been cast as Ramsay Bolton. <laughs> So, but see, yeah. that, that's for me why I liked this movie, or why I was able to immediately get into it was because I mean, the man killed his dog. Okay, yeah, I understand why he's gonna go on a vengeance tour. Sure. Yeah. That after after me being like, oh man, this is horrible. Then Which I was like, is. all right, gear up. We got some killing to do. Mm-hmm. And... Just think about it. There was an entire movie, Dan, dedicated to a man going after and killing every single person who was involved with the killing of his dog. Isn't that like? That, wonderful yeah he took out other everybody. than the fact that the dog was killed yeah the poor puppy i know uh but me some i wish i i wish i had a counter to see how many people he actually did kill i mean usually you can look up that kind of thing on the web let's i mean i can punch that all in bleep 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 i can i only have all i only have the tally for all three movies what is that 299 yeah yeah <laughs> well it's not quite even i'm sure but you can you can roughly estimate yeah he probably killed about 100 people yeah, and they all deserved it. Every single one. Actually, yeah. So we, uh, I found this here. Uh, 91 deaths in the first one. Well, good. All 91 deserved About. it. They all deserved it. And that does, unfortunately, include the puppy. 
Those numbers come from Cinema Cinema Blend. R.I.P. Daisy. Oh, uh, is that the dog? It's been a while since I yeah. saw the movie. I couldn't remember. The um, but he does get himself a new dog at the end of the first. Which is movie. what everybody does ultimately when they lose their dog that they so, love so much, is they replace it with another dog. And we still haven't replaced my poor Reggie, who I miss very much. R.I.P. Reggie. Thank you, sir. I hope nothing happens to this new dog in number two and three because I haven't seen it yet. Do you want me to spoil it for you? No. Okay. But I hope maybe the dog goes on a vengeance and helps him kill people because that'd be cool too. <laughs> this actually John Wick Two is really it's it's actually from the dog's perspective. All right, I like that. No, nah, I made that up. I'm oh. sorry. Oh, all right. Well, I give it a ten. <laughs> I give it a very solid ten nine. Ten nine. Okay, so so right in the good sweet spot, right? Right there. Yeah, I would watch it. Did again. it lose points because the dog died, or did it even out that, because it even went out on the vengeance because, tour because the dog died? Yeah, the vengeance tour was good. I mean, I I think you could have made it the vengeance tour on something completely different. Like, could have killed like a person that he loved. But and, would you have cared as much? No, but that's what I'm saying. It wouldn't have made me almost turn it off. But didn't you get more invested in his vengeance tour because said, it was a yeah. dog? Because yeah, at the end I was like, yep, that's for Daisy. That's what I'm that's saying. Like, you Daisy. wouldn't have said that if it was like, you know, his girlfriend or something. Like, that. like oh yeah, another girlfriend died. Yep. She was nagging Which, anyway. Because sadly, that's just, you know, this is the way it works. It's always the same thing. <laughs> this is different. It's a dog. Dogs are the best. They are the best. And that about does it for this one. Thanks to everybody listening. We really appreciate you checking this out. We're looking forward to doing some more uh, going back over these events now. We've got a bunch coming up, right, Dan? Yeah, can't wait. Three big events in eight days. Going to be some busy shows for us, sir. Yes, it will be. But it will be all worth it. It'll be fun. It's going to be a fun time. Thanks for listening, everyone. Take care, everybody.